Welcome to Invoking Witchcraft, the podcast where the sacred and profane come out to play. So call the quarters and set the round. It's time for another episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Invoking Witchcraft. I am one of your co-hosts, Britton Boyd, also known as Archaic Honey on Twitter and Instagram. And I am here with Jay Allen Cross, also known as at Oregon Woodwitch on Instagram. How are you doing, Britton? You know, I'm just doing life. Uh, Lots of reading. I've been getting back into yoga, which feels really good after sitting and writing for six months and then having a health scare and just keeping up with the book. My body has gotten really stiff, so I've just been moving back into a more embodied, regular practice of movement, and it feels really good. Like I have a lot more body awareness, and I feel more grounded. So that's what's been going on here. How are you? That's beautiful. And I need to do some similar stuff. I think I need to get more into yoga. I need to do other stuff. Because I think it's been all this writing, just sitting like a shrimp for hours on end doing (laughs) what we do. The other day I threw out my back. I got down on the ground to play with my chihuahua and simply did not come back up. Oh, Uh, no. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm a hundred. Why is this a problem? Um, But yeah, so I think that's what I'm going to implement as well. But lately... Lately, I have come to an understanding with myself and it's, I think, changed a lot for me as far as my craft. I've always, always wanted like the quintessential book of shadows, like the big book that is full of all your spells that you've written. And I've started maybe 15 or 20 of these. Of course. uh, that I begin. And my problem is, is because I'm a Virgo and I'm very into details. And the fact that, you know, you're, 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 you grow and you change as a witch and you learn more. And I'm one of those people that like, I'll be like, Oh my gosh, I put together this recipe. This recipe is beautiful. It's a wonderful, I want to keep it forever. And two weeks later, I'm like, that recipe is trash. Um, this is a much better one, but it's, but it's then in my book. And what do I do? Do I just scratch it out every two weeks and write something different? Right. And I hate the idea of doing like a digital one, like on my computer, just because I know I won't use it. But what I've come to realize is number one, that it is okay that I do not have a book of shadows or a grimoire Mm -hmm. of all the things. It doesn't have to be in a book. It doesn't have to be that way. So what I've started doing instead, and I'm loving this, is I've gotten like a recipe box with all the little cards in it that are all alphabetical. And I do my recipes and my spells and I write them down on little index cards and then slip them in there so that that way I can pull them out whenever I need them. And I don't have to worry about having this big old book at my table that I'm trying to keep open to the right page or whatever. I just pull out the card that I need. And if I need to update it, I can just do a new card with the new and improved spell and slide it in there. And yeah. that way it's much easier to edit, much easier to change. It's It feels more dynamic. It's like it's living, it's breathing, and it's growing with me, which is good. And I don't feel like it's so tied down and so like in this permanency of like it's in the book. Therefore, that is, mm-hmm. you know, how it is or whatever. And maybe if there's some that like I realize that I haven't changed for years and years and this is kind of their final form, I might start like putting them into a book. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but right now I like this kind of recipe card thing too. And that way too, if like a friend's like, oh, hey, I need something, I can just pull it out and hand it to them or whatever. Um, you know, it's it's just, I like it a lot better. I love that idea of a little recipe box. It reminds me of my mamaw and how right? she kept her recipes as so grandma style. I love it. That's such a good idea because I too also get kind of wrapped up in that idea of like, oh, I want my book of shadows. I want my my grimoire or whatever we call it. And I have also started like 20 of them and it never fails that I, I like write something, you know, with my chicken scratch handwriting and it just doesn't look cool enough or whatever, but I keep everything in like a journal, but I love that idea of an index card system. I think I'm going to give that a try. Right. It's real simple and I do them all in Sharpie. So if they get wet, they don't like bleed everywhere and, and, and get all messed up and Sharpie's actually started making like pens now, like yes. quick pens, um, which I'm really liking. I'm liking those because they have the same kind of like permanence and sturdiness to them. So if like, you know, they drip some oil on it or they get wet, they don't bleed everywhere and go nasty. Um, mm-hmm. It's just very nice. Yes. If you want it and our listeners, if you want a good pen recommendation, I highly recommend the Sarasa clip. They're super nice pens. They don't bleed and they're, they come in the coolest colors. Like the one I have right now is like a mustard, a muted mustard yellow. And Mm. it's, uh, it's my favorite. I love those pens, but yeah, a good pen is, is very important. (laughs) For sure. I think that that's, that's always good, especially because it's like witchcraft is so messy that if your Mm -hmm. pen isn't like up to date, you're going to smear it. You're going to get it wet. You're going to, you know, you're going to handle it and your hands are going to be covered in oil or something like that. Like it, the, whatever we write with needs to be kind of sturdy. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Absolutely. Though I am partial to kind of like just your standard like Bic pen if I'm doing like binding work where I need to mm-hmm. like scratch somebody's something out or whatever on it. Just like that Bic pen thing because it just it doesn't like tear the paper, but it lets you get like really in there on it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny since it's like Halloween and whatnot and spooky season, I did some pumpkin carving and I was looking around my house for a ballpoint pen because that's how I like to draw. I tried it with a Sharpie and I was like, this is too permanent because you're going to be able to see my lines as I carve the pumpkin. But a ballpoint pen worked perfectly. I They, they are very handy. They are. So um, this has been Pen Corner with Josh and Britton. Yes. <laughs> all about stationary today but we do have a really good conversation today about boundaries sexy sexy boundaries i love it it turns me on whenever i set a boundary i love it and i think more people need to be comfortable having boundaries not only between themselves and other people, but also between themselves and their craft. I'm Mm -hmm. seeing a lot of people who they kind of enter their craft and then they feel like they need to make it their whole entire life and that they constantly feel like they're not doing enough and like other people's opinions are coming in and all this stuff. And sometimes we need to set a boundary between ourself and our practice or ourselves and other parts of the witch community or witch experience Um, So we're going to do kind of a two-parter chat about this idea of boundaries and the craft, which I I think is important. 
Yes. It, yeah, it is really important. And uh, honestly, I feel like this is an episode that I need to hear because when I go into my full Aries mode, everything becomes black and white for me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I have to be all in. And I notice that, you know, ever since I dedicated myself to this path, it is all I have like lived, breathed, slept, like all of it. So I think this is a really excellent conversation that it doesn't need to completely consume our lives. Like it's a part of our lives, but not something that should be like ruling our lives. Yes, it should fit into our lives. It should not take over our lives, um, which is a different thing. And, you know, sometimes too, and that's something I think we'll talk about a little bit as we go, like there are certain people who are meant to or destined to take on a much bigger role in this practice. There are people who are supposed to be priestesses or supposed to be very, um, depending on like the traditional path, you know, there are certain people who take on roles where they um, basically like marry certain spirits and have all these roles and things like that. And it is their entire life. And that's beautiful. And that's wonderful. But that's not the experience for everyone. And that's not the standard of how this needs to be approached. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we'll see on social media, like, oh, yeah, this person like their house is an entire temple and they get up every morning and they do their devotions and they can't touch this kind of food because of blah, blah, blah. And that seems very glamorous and very exciting, but that's only for the select few. That's why those people are important. And that's why those people are very special is because they're kind of like meant to take on that much. But the rest of us who are just witches, just live in our life. Like we don't need that intense amount of dedication. Of course, witchcraft takes dedication and learning and things like that, but it shouldn't Mm -hmm. absolutely take over your life. Yeah, I totally agree. So what are some signs of like where we need to have boundaries between us and our craft? Like, where do we start with this? I think the number one, one that I, I think is the easiest to kind of see or the one that I see a lot um, is if it's simply costing you too much money. Yeah. Like if you feel like you need to go out and you need to buy the things, if you feel like you need to order these special herbs, if you feel like you need to do X, Y, or Z and you're going broke or you're going into debt or it's getting in the way of you being able to feed yourself or pay rent or things like that, that's when we need to put that work on the back burner or, or simply find a different way. Um, Mm -hmm. We need to draw a boundary like, you know what? Not all my money needs to go to witchcraft. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely challenge our listeners to maybe go on like a no buy for a little while and see how that impacts your craft. Because, you know, like we talk about on this podcast, a lot of what we need for our practice and our craft is just right out our front door. The herbs and the plants are there. We don't need to go hunting down um, exotic crystals and herbs and whatnot for a practice. It is really right out your front door, right in your community and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, What's another one that you think is maybe a sign that people need to draw a boundary between themselves and their craft? Um, Definitely think that if it's all consuming in your life and it's like all you talk about, all you think about, Um, I know that I have definitely been there because I have a tendency to hyper focus on things. And like right now, for example, I'm taking a deep dive into Nordic paganism, Nordic animism, and it is starting to kind of consume me. I'm just like reading all the books. I got my Odin statue that I put next to my bed last night and I am like 
doing this deep work. And this morning, actually, before we started recording, I I kind of was like, oh, hold up. I need to take a pause for a minute because this is like all I've been talking about, all I have been focusing on. And maybe I need to take a breather and go read a book about plants. I don't know, something yeah, else I'm just gonna... to refresh the palate. <laughs> that's me like i'll i'll see someone after a while and they'll be like oh like what have you been up to lately and i'll only have like witchcraft related things and i'll be like that is a sign i need to go outside i need to touch grass i need to speak to somebody else about something other than magic or witchcraft and i'm with you too like i will absolutely hyper focus on this stuff and i will because i mean it's not only my job, but it's what I write about. It's what I do all day. So it's very easy to kind of end up there. But also just kind of every so often taking a moment or an evening, like, you know, to kind of zoom out a little bit, remind us that, you know, there's other stuff in the world. There's other stuff happening around us, that this is only part of that bigger picture. I, mm-hmm. I think it's important. Yeah, that's actually part of the reason I started practicing yoga again mm. was because I needed to get out of my head and I needed to get in my body because I notice when we are becoming consumed by our craft and whatever topic pertaining to that that we're consumed by, we get really stuck in our heads. And I think we forget our like physical presence in the world. So that's mm-hmm. been a way that I have been kind of like creating that boundary and that separation of of like getting in my body and remembering like, okay, this is who I am. This is the body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. This is who I am in real space, you know, not yes. who I am on the internet or who I am to people who know me as a witch or things like that, but just who I am as a real physical person in this space, in this body, like that's really important to kind of look at outside of all of that. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what's another thing? Um, this is one that I see a lot. And it's something that um, people either come to me about or, or something I've also experienced as well is sometimes it will become a source of anxiety or negative self talk. So if you find yourself a lot of the time being like, Oh, like I, I last night was the full moon and I didn't do anything for it. Um, you know, Oh God, I'm such a bad witch. I'm not dedicated enough. I didn't, I didn't do enough or, um, things like, Oh, well, so-and-so is at their altar every single day, giving offerings and saying prayers to their spirits and their ancestors and stuff like that. So I need to be doing it all day because I'm slacking. I'm, you know, not as good as these other people or I'm not doing it right. If you find yourself doing that, then it's time to step back a bit and kind of be like, you know what? I don't need to be here every single day doing this. I don't need to, um, like you, you missed, you missed a full moon. So what? Who cares? Right. I don't think I've done a full moon ritual since I was like 14. Um, because I, I love the moon. The moon is great. I don't need to make a big production about it. Um, at least for me and and my personal path, that's not something I need to do. So if if you're like looking at that, it's just a source of anxiety or negative self-talk. It's, it's time to chop it. Yes. Agreed. I saw a post by Marshall, a witch of Southern light who, said that, you know, sometimes I'm just too exhausted 
to do a full moon ritual or something of the sort. And I feel that like I, for the most part do, I mean, I keep track of the lunar cycle, but I'm not like, you know, every dark moon, new moon, quarter moon, full moon doing Mm -hmm. something, you know, a lot of the time I just observe it. The moon actually, uh, from where my bedroom window is, when the moon is full, the light shines down on my bed and that's enough for me. Yeah. I'm like, what happens if you just go outside and look at the moon for a while and just appreciate it and then call it a night? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to like, I mean, if you feel called to pull tarot cards and do some divination and like check in, awesome. Mm -hmm. But you definitely don't need to, um, to be there every single moment, every single day. Like, for example, this morning, I do have a devotional practice in the morning where I pray. And it's also a part of my recovery from um, drug and alcohol abuse to check in Mm -hmm. each morning. But this morning, I was just not feeling it. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like take a breather and take some space. I don't need to like touch base with my spirits every single day. Mm-hmm. Just taking a little step back. And, you know, it felt good to to just be in myself for a minute. Absolutely. Somebody posted um, the other day on Twitter something along the lines of, you know, our our spiritual practice should be, you know, about us connecting with the divine, not us attempting to like eradicate our humanness, um, which is so important because, and I think people forget that the spirits, the gods, all of them understand that we are people. And sometimes we as people need to sleep in on occasion. Sometimes we can't make it to the altar every single day. Like this is part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that they understand that and they get it. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree there. Do you have another one here for us? Yeah. So when we are using magic to solve every single problem in our lives or focusing on all of our situations, like with magic, like taking care of everything with magic, you know, a lot of the time it's like if your car breaks, you don't I mean, you could cast a spell to make sure that perhaps the fix isn't too expensive or something like that. Mm -hmm. But you take it to the mechanic. You don't Mm -hmm. magic your way through it. You like go do the practical real world world things to take Mm -hmm. care of stuff. And magic, you know, we we use it in specific circumstances. It doesn't need to be all consuming. Yeah, absolutely. And I I very much agree with that because like I'll see People a lot of times just be like, oh, um, I was late today. I need a spell to make sure I'm never late again. Or I'll need, um, like, they, they when you are attempting to conquer every single issue in your life using magic, whether it's necessary or not, uh, it's very tempting a lot of the time. Yeah. But I find we can really kind of accidentally make a mess for ourselves when we try to approach every single problem um, as something that needs a spell or a magical solution. Because mm-hmm. then I think that kind of disconnects us from real world skills, like you're talking about, like taking something to the mechanic or calling and making a doctor's appointment, or, you know, those are very real skills that we need to have. And I see a lot of people using witchcraft as kind of like a shield from having to do like adult things like that. Ooh, yeah. You just called some people out, I'm sure. Did a little bit, a little bit spicy. <laughs> Yep. I mean, sometimes I find myself in that like anxiety thinking around like, 
well, what if I just did magic? You know, what if I did magic to fix everything? And that just, it just doesn't work like that. And then we also have the problem of like, if we're doing magic for everything, then we have a shit ton of spells running all at the same time. And that really, really like muddles our magic. So I feel like if we're going to cast a spell, we're going to do it for like a really specific situation and then allow it to play out. We shouldn't be like doing things back to back to back to back Mm -hmm. and like layering because that can, like you said, like create more problems. Yeah, you can absolutely kind of weave a big old mess because you don't know how those spells are going to interact with one another. And you might be asking for like, especially if you're casting a spell for every little thing, you might be asking for one thing that will contradict the other thing. And then you'll get your magical wires crossed. There's a bunch of stuff that can kind of go all the shit there. Um, And similarly too, I see a lot of people trying to really force situations through magic. Um, especially situations that don't seem to be for them. Like, oh, like I see this a lot in love, love work that I get requested where it's like, yeah, this guy showed up, um, told me his name was Jim and that he was single. And we fell in love over this weekend vacation. I found out later that his name is Henry. He has a wife, he has five children. Um, but I really want him to contact me so that we can work this out and see if this love thing is real. And I'm like, that is clearly not good for you. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a big no, no. Right. Like, right. We need to see where doors are closing for us. It's like being in a hallway. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we see that there are doors closed. Look for the door that is open. Look for the door that is like easier to walk through rather than banging on the closed door being like, let me in. <laughs> exactly well and people too like not only is it is that people want the things that they want but also i i find a lot of the time it can either stem from like an insecurity like it almost seems to come from somewhere else Mm -hmm. where they'll need that or sometimes it's rolled into this idea of oh if i did a spell and it didn't work then that means either i'm not good at witchcraft or I need to do something stronger. But the truth is, is that if it's meant for you, you're going to do a spell and it's going to show up for you. Like real simple. Mm -hmm. If you're doing spells and it's not showing up for you, that doesn't mean that you're a bad witch or that you're not powerful or that, you know, X, Y, or Z. It just simply means that that's not meant for you as witches. We can't really override fate. Um, And so if, if something is not happening, maybe consider that it's not necessarily for you or good for you. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. That's very wise advice. I like that. Yeah. So how do we set boundaries between us and our craft? You know, the first thing I like to tell people, and I talk about this on occasion, is to set reasonable, reasonable expectations for themselves as far as like rituals and devotions are concerned. Like, mm-hmm. you know, know yourself, know what you are able to do, know what you are able to commit to, because Like for me, I was in the cycle for a long time of, oh, I need to be doing daily devotions or I need to be spending X amount of time daily to this or that. And then I wasn't able to follow through on it because either I'm too busy, I have a lot of stuff going on, or I simply was too tired or didn't want to. And then it was causing me to feel bad about the situation. And so I was in the cycle of setting the bar too high and then being upset 
that I wasn't reaching it. So anytime I see anything that's like, well, this requires daily devotion, I'm like, no, thank you. I'm not in um, because I know Mm -hmm. I won't be able to do it. And so if you're looking at your practice and you're like, okay, how do I want to go about this? And you know that daily is not going to be a thing for you. Have a once a week thing. You know, even even like Christian folk who go to church only do that once a week a lot of the time, unless you're like one of those Catholic old ladies that goes every day. But I mean, even then, that's not that's not necessary. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You make such a good point. Like I know for me in my practice, a daily check in is often really helpful. And I'll go through like really long stints where I'm doing daily check ins, daily prayer etc. Like I go to an AA meeting pretty much every day, but sometimes I need to take a breather even from my recovery group. Like lately I have just been like, all right, I'm going to attend and maybe the next day I'm just going to take some space from it. Um, Mm -hmm. Having that boundary there to know, like, especially if you recognize that you're too exhausted for it, maybe that's a signal that we need to take a break and just like read a fluffy fiction book or just like get out of it for a little bit. Yes, absolutely. So definitely check in and like set those reasonable expectations for yourself. Like just don't set the bar super high, you know, just be realistic with what you're able to do. Um, I do want to know though, how long do your daily morning devotions usually take? Um, The core of it takes me about 30 minutes to 45 minutes. Oh, wow. And a lot of the time it's just like a half an hour I get up, I do morning pages, uh, which is a method of journaling developed by Julia Cameron, who wrote a book called The Artist's Way. And I just do stream of consciousness writing um, between like 800 to 1000 words. It just keeps my writing flow going. Then Mm -hmm. I move into um, prayer where I call on my ancestors, my spirits and my higher power. And then I just chat with them. And then from there, I go into a grounding and centering practice just to set myself for the day. And it's it's intense. Mm. It's really intense to show up like that every day. So like this morning, I woke up and I was like, you know, I need I need some space. You know, it's like if we have a partner, mm-hmm. we don't need to be intertwined and consumed by them all the time because then we're getting into like codependency. Mm-hmm. And whatnot. And we could see perhaps codependent relationships developing within our craft and with the relationships that we have with spirits and whatnot. Absolutely. So having being able to like step back for a minute and perhaps view the landscape with which we're operating in is a healthy thing to do. It doesn't mean you're a bad witch. It doesn't mean you're not devoted enough. It just means yeah. you're taking a break. Well, I remember too, the spirits understand that we are people. So like if you every, let's say, Sunday or every Tuesday or whatever, that is your day where you show up to the altar, spirit will understand that. Spirit will also show up at that time. You know, if if you are able to do a daily thing, that's wonderful and that's beautiful. But just know that how you choose to go about this is very much up to you as far as your frequency and how much time you spend there and things like that. It's very much up to you. Um so, so don't set yourself up for failure by setting the bar way too high. And, and maybe you start off with once a week and you're like, actually, I would like to do this much more. So then you move to maybe three times a week. And then maybe mm-hmm. from there you move up to daily. Like that's totally fine. Or maybe you do three days a week and then you move up to daily and that's way too much. And so you move back down to three days a week. 
like that's okay like figure out what's going to work best in your life Absolutely. Yeah. Take baby steps, feel it out and experiment to find out what works for you because what works for me, you know, isn't going to work for Jay, Mm -hmm. you know, and vice versa. What works for Jay might not work for me. So we all have to find our own little niche and what works for us within this. Absolutely. Um, What is another one or another way to kind of set a boundary between us and our craft? Oh gosh, I have one and it's an experience that it's something that I have experienced personally. And that's like, do not sign up for something you aren't meant for. Mm -hmm. Like becoming a priestess or becoming initiated in a tradition. I had an opportunity to become initiated in two separate traditions and both of them, I just kind of like came to an impasse and I was like, well, you know, when you get initiated into a lineage and like a, an established tradition, you are entering into a family of people. You're entering into a community and maybe that community isn't for you. So setting that boundary of like, okay, is this something that I'm going to commit to for potentially the rest of my life? You know, and like be of, because a lot of the times when we get initiated into a tradition, we're also becoming of service to our community. Mm-hmm. And that's and a really real into the spirits. And that's a really, really big responsibility. So we have to check ourselves and be like, are we ready for that? Is that yeah. something we can handle? Well, and it can be so people think that it can be so glamorous, you know, to be something like, you know, um, people, people want to do things like become a, a voodoo mambo and, and, because they saw American Horror Story Coven and they want to be, you know, Angela Bassett's character of Marie Laveau. And like, that's like what they want to do. But that is so much responsibility and it is so much work. And there's so much that comes with that. Um, There's a reason why not every single person goes that path. It's because it's, we're we're not all meant for it. We're not all built for it. And some of us, it, it would be too much. I, I would not want to be a, a high priest or priestess or, or any sort of thing like that. I would, I would maybe be like mentor head witch of a little coven, but like to actually take on that responsibility where you have very important things you have to be doing all the time. You don't have to like, yes, it's, it's glamorous. Yes. It would be neat to tell people that that's what you do and you might feel very special, but that's, not the reasons to sign up for that. And we don't have to, that's biting off much too much. (laughs) Oh yes, definitely. Like I've been doing a lot of research around Sather and uh, what vulvas do within Nordic traditions of oracular work. And the appeal of being a vulva is like really strong in me, but you know what it requires to be a vulva is you need a choir of people around you to sing you into trance and sing you into the other world. And then you need somebody who's managing the group of people. If you're doing it within a group of people, you need somebody who's managing the ritual so that you can go into the trance state safely. There's someone there to monitor you. And it's like, you need a community for this. So it's like, we can't just like jump into this thinking we can do it all by ourselves or mm-hmm. we really need to be able to, like you said, bite off what we can chew instead of like trying to shove it all in. 
That is so interesting. I actually did not know that um, about that type of oracular work. Um, that's interesting because I'm going to go on a tiny side thing because I'm fascinated. Um, yeah. In when folks do physical mediumship, yeah. where they um, like channel spirits so intensely and produce the ectoplasm so that spirits can physically interact with those in the room, that's a very similar process where it requires a circle of people. Who, to produce the energy, there's often singing involved in order to get the medium into the place where they need to be to do that work. That's very interesting. I would like to look more into that. Yeah, there are some links with, um, in my spiritualism, isn't that within like the nope. spiritualist tradition? Yeah, there are some like interesting overlaps there. That is my understanding of what it requires to be a vulva. There may be somebody out there who's listening who could be an expert. I'm not an expert. It's just what I have read in passing and what I've understood about um, being a vulva. But um, yeah, it's, it is really fascinating. And to understand like, if we're going to like attempt to take on a title or a role, mm -hmm. like such as being a priestess or priest in a tradition, like it is a communal effort and it could be a lot more than what we expect. So mm -hmm. definitely take those baby steps and check yourself if, if this is a boundary that needs to be held because it isn't for everyone. Absolutely. And I think sometimes too, we, we look up to or idolize these people that are in mm -hmm. these higher spiritual places. And that can make us very much either feel less than or like that is the goal that we need to reach. Mm -hmm. um, but the truth is, is that we all have our role to play within the witchcraft community. And, you know, yours might just be, you know, simple kitchen witch or, um, you know, someone who, who does a lot of tarot and divination and things like that, or, you know, and that's totally okay. And we can, we can look up to or idolize these people who like really devote their lives to it. But we have to remember that that's not the goal for everybody. It doesn't have to be the goal for you either. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was, um, a while back, I listened to this podcast called Rune Soup. Um, it's by Gordon White. It's a really great podcast. And they were doing like an astrological forecast for, I think it was the year 2020. And they were talking about having your team of people to move into the year with. And it's like, as an individual, we cannot do everything for ourselves. That's mm -hmm. why we have friends. And that's why we have community that specialize in certain things. And we like trade resources, we trade skills. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I do the cooking, and I read the tarot, and I throw the bones, but I don't do like maybe some other form of heavy lifting. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. And, and we can complement each other in that way. It's yes. like, you know, like I might be good at like this type of work, but also I've never been good at like, um, I've never been good at sigils, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, that's not something that really speaks to me, but sometimes sigils are very necessary, very handy. So I might reach out to somebody that I know who, who does that work, but maybe they lack something that I really excel in. And then we can complement each other with this. That's kind of community. And I think that's important. Yeah, it's sort of like how you and I run this podcast. I couldn't do it without you. <laughs> and vice versa. Yes, we very much do that. And in case anyone is wondering, Britain does all of our tech stuff and all the behind the scenes stuff that I, I have zero skill in. So I'm very right. grateful to have you here. Yeah, and Jay does all the show outlining and whatnot that I'm just like, uh-uh. And he like gets our uh, the folks that we interview and whatnot, and I'm just like, I can't do that. Just can't do it. <laughs> right. 
we got it. We got a symbiosis of this thing here together, people. And that's important. That's important. Another thing that I really like to tell people to do, and somebody posted about this the other day, and I thought this was brilliant, um, is if if you feel like you've gotten way too entwined in your craft, if it's taking over your life, if it's all you can think about and all you can talk about, um, pick up a non-supernatural romance novel because it's so ordinary. Yes. But, and so normal that it's occasionally a little jarring to like take part in it, especially if you've been like, just ass deep in the craft for like weeks, you know, and you're yeah. just can't figure it <laughs> out um, to pick up something that just has no mention of witches or werewolves or vampires or magic or anything like that. And it's just like two people who bumped into each other at a coffee shop, you know, some Hallmark bullshit um, is so refreshing. Yes. <laughs> kind of like it, it feels like I'm suddenly able to like breathe again, you know, or similarly, I will go somewhere else that has nothing to do with magic. Like I'll go to a rodeo or like, you know, something else that's like mm-hmm. completely different just to kind of remind myself that, that there's a huge vast world that exists outside of magic and witchcraft and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Go to a museum. Like that's something I've been thinking about is just like a wholesome non-witchy, um activity to do but you know knowing me i'll try and put my witch spin on it and try and find things <laughs> you know that are witchy about it because <laughs> you know i think this episode is really causing me to look inward here and check myself around my own boundaries with this practice and whatnot like go watch some trashy tv that has nothing to do with witchcraft like exactly don't watch salem <laughs> go watch no, rick and morty don't don't watch Charmed. I've been having actually a Jersey Shore revival over here. Um, oh yeah, and it's excellent. So highly highly recommend. Just something that is not witchcraft related, just because I think it helps us simply zoom out. I'll, I'll realize that I I'll, I'll get so zoomed in onto like this one little section of my life that I'll just kind of get wrapped up in my own shit, mm-hmm. and we don't need to live that way, right? There's a whole world we can interact with. And and magic and witchcraft is wonderful and it's helpful and it's beautiful and it should definitely be a part of our lives. But sometimes we need a breather. Sometimes we need a break. And I see a lot of people too who like jump into this work head first, like, gosh, I got to be, you know, high priestess status in my first two months of, you know, doing witchcraft and blah, blah, blah. And then, and then they're posting like, how do you deal with burnout or feeling disconnected with your craft? And I think a lot of it just, just, Reminding yourself this is a marathon. This is a lifelong thing. This isn't, mm-hmm. there isn't a finish line. There isn't, so you need to kind of buckle up and and relax a little bit and move through it as a lifelong marathon situation. Right, yeah. And maybe you have hobbies outside of witchcraft, you know, because like witchcraft itself can sort of become a hobby. Like you're collecting the herbs, mm-hmm. you're collecting the bones and the stones and the feathers. You know, I like to go fishing. I like to go hiking. I like to go shoot my gun um, with my partner. And the other thing too, which has also been very helpful is having an, and I mean, I know for some folks, they do have a partner who's intertwined with their magical practice, but like my partner isn't Mm -hmm. and they help keep me balanced. Yeah. So it's like they, you know, I'll start talking about my witchy shit and and they kind of glaze over and I'm just like, oh yes, we don't have to talk about this because I spend all day talking about it. (laughs) 
<laughs> that is so nice, though. <laughs> it is. Yeah, that's very much me with my husband. If if you don't have a muggle in your life, please go and get one um, because they're very, very helpful. And, you know, like, you know, beyond like hobbies and things like that, that are that are non-witch related that we all should have, um, having friends that aren't witches or aren't practitioners or things like that is really helpful. Yes, absolutely. So I'm a little curious, Jay, what are your hobbies? I know we're kind of going off on it. I, um, I write a lot, um, beyond just witchcraft books. Um, I write different genres of books as well, um, which is something that takes up a lot of my time. I do like to engage in certain physical activities. I do like to run. Um, I also grew up, um, playing equestrian polo, Mm -hmm. which is something that, um, is, is very dear to me. Um, I don't really play anymore because I don't necessarily have the money or the time um, to do that. But um, my mom still plays and there's a local group that plays. So I'll go out there and watch polo um, and kind of be part of that community, which is really nice. That's so cool. And yeah, ponies are are very expensive. Um, they're beautiful they are. and I love them. But I've, I've, I was a horse girl when I was young. Yeah. There's a um, there's a, a running polo joke, which is how do you make a million dollars playing polo? And the answer is you start with three million. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and by the end of it, you will be down to one million. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, you would. So have you you so you you've recently joined the um, the witch Twitter? Yes. And you've been on the Instagram and you've also come back over to the TikTok. How is the state of the current online witchcraft community um, affecting you as far as you feel and maybe how you feel about your craft? Oh, that's a good question. Well, one thing I've been in observance of is folks who are polytheistic being all consumed by their deities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I noticed that quite a bit. Um, yeah. But my personal experience in being, I guess, uh, uh, I don't like to use this word, but I'm going to say it anyway, a content creator, mm-hmm. is that um, my boundaries with other people, mm-hmm. that they expect access to me 24-7. And yeah. people are interacting with me when I'm not there which is weird to think about that people are like constantly interacting with you when you're not present. Mm. Yes. That's that's really strange to me. So I've been having to hold some boundaries around like communication where people are asking a lot of me, like they're basically asking for a complete education in money magic. And I'm like, I can't do that for you in a comment section. And I can't do that for you in my DMS. We can book a session together. So I've been having to hold boundaries with that. Um, But yeah, kind of going back to the deity work and the polytheistic community, you know, I just see a lot of folks really being consumed by it in a like Mm -hmm. what seems to be like an unhealthy manner. And it it is quite concerning. We've talked a little bit about that on the podcast where folks are just like constantly having conversations with their deities. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there may be some folks out there who have a relationship like that, but I think that it's rare. Yeah. 
Well, and the thing is, is that, you know, we're, we're not saying that there's anything wrong with polytheism or with, yeah. you know, being devoted to your deities or speaking with them, but there's, there's a certain intensity of it where you can tell it's gone from, this is part of my spiritual practice. This is what I believe into kind of delusional area where like, you know, I'm, I'm running into a lot of things about, you know, people having drama because, um, you know, uh, one of their friends is devoted to ISIS and ISIS told this friend that their other friend needs to give them um, this new bracelet that they bought or something like that. Like it gets very weird where it's like, mm-hmm. yes, my, my deities told me that you um, need to let me move in with you um, or things like that, which is, is, is very weird. Um, or, or I think a lot of the time it's, it's not necessarily the gods or the spirits. It's just people who want things leveraging that idea that we're seeing a lot of, which is, which is concerning. It uh, is. And it, it's kind of gross in a way to me <laughs> when, if I were to be like, Jay, so Odin told me that you need to cast a spell for me. Odin told me so. Yeah. That's kind of I'd like, like... <laughs> Jay would run far, far away from me. <laughs> I would like, never I'm see or hear from him again. What the fuck? <laughs> right like that's just if you find yourself saying like well my deity told me so you know i I would just like take a step back for a minute i read this really excellent website uh it's called scalds keep and it is within the nordic um traditions and and pantheon and whatnot and uh they were talking about boundaries with your deity and they Mm -hmm. clearly stated like if a deity is telling you to like go do something that you're not comfortable with, don't do it. And they should respect that. You know, it's like with me and alcohol consumption, if a deity is telling me to drink alcohol, I'm going to be like, uh, 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 nope, we ain't going there. Or asking you to purchase something that's way too expensive that you can't afford. Mm -hmm. Like, that's great. I'm very devoted to the spirit, but that's not something that can happen. So definitely, definitely having boundaries with your spirits and with your deities. And that's something that I'm seeing a lot in kind of the, the internet witch community is kind of people getting very sucked into this whole, you know, oh, if my deities aren't constantly speaking to me, you know, or if I'm not constantly buying them things or things like that, then it's, then I'm less than or whatever. Cause the, the internet witch community can really get you fucked up in a lot of ways. Yes. Uh, like some other ways that I see it too, is like um, a lot of people make very strong statements like, well, if you believe this, then that, like, I I've seen it a lot too, where it's like, if, if you, if you believe um, that witchcraft can come from your family line, then you're a white supremacist period. Um... And so it, it, it very much. And then especially as someone like, myself who comes from a witchy line like it's like okay so i'm accidentally a white supremacist like it it can really like the way that people approach the internet sphere right now is is very aggressive because right now it's a lot of like um it's a lot of hot takes it's a lot of well, if you're doing this and you're doing it wrong or or if you did this then something's gonna get you or um, you know, you're in this category of people that we hate if you feel this way. Um, so it's very aggressive. And even in like the comments and things like that, people feel the need to like constantly like either contradict or argue or 
the one that I see a lot that's more so I see it on TikTok than like Twitter or Instagram, but um, people demanding that other people prove that they are the ethnicity that they say that they are. Oh gosh, that's, that's. Right. Like people will full on like demand DNA results in order for them to believe or respect that you are native American because you don't look like a very racist stereotype caricature of what like either native American or a Mexican or, or something like that would look like to them. Um, So it's a very aggressive kind of community right now. And it hasn't always been like that. We've always had problems in the internet, witch community for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But this it's, it's reached a height of aggression that I think has a lot to do with the pandemic because a lot of people are unhappy and that unhappiness is spilling out into the world. Mm -hmm. And so we may find that we need to make boundaries between ourselves and the internet witch community, which is kind of where we're going here next. Um, So what are some of the signs that you might need to set a boundary between yourself and like social media, as far as witchy stuff is concerned? Right, yeah. So um, if, if you're just not having fun, You know, social media should not be a slog. And if you find yourself getting burned out, like say you're a content creator, say you're just somebody who enjoys other people's content. If you're starting to get the FOMO, if you're starting to get the imposter syndrome, that's a sign to like back off, take a break. Like uh, periodically, at least once a year, I take a two to three month break from social media. I set a time limit. I delete Instagram. I delete all my apps and I take a break. And You know, it's fascinating what happens every single time I take a break, I get back into making art. I get back into like hobbies that feed me. Mm -hmm. So if you're not having fun, just like check yourself and like check your usage rates. Like if you go to your phone, you can actually find, um, I mean, it depends on what kind of phone you have. I have an iPhone and it tells me my usage rate once a week. Mm -hmm. And it'll show me that I've been on my phone for four hours a day. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. like I need to take a break. (laughs) Yeah. Last I checked, I was spending five hours a day on Instagram. Yes. It is too much. And that's not counting the other apps too that I'm on as well. Mm -hmm. Definitely take a gander at that. It might be very eye opening. Very, very much so. So what's another thing uh, with boundaries and social media? You know, I love that you start off with, you know, like when you're just not having fun, because I think that's really important. I think another one would be if you find yourself needing to or constantly posting pics of every single spell that you do, right. or like every revelation you've had or or sudden light bulb moment that you've had in your spiritual practice, not all of it needs to go on the internet. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I used to be really bad about, you know, taking pictures of every spell, things like that, putting them online. Because you're kind of looking for that validation. And I think a lot of people, especially new people, like to do this a lot because they like to put it out there so that other people can assure them that they're doing it correctly. Yeah. Um, But it can also have a reverse effect too because sometimes you put your stuff out there and people are just mean (laughs) about it. And it can become a source of of kind of negative emotions in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I remember um, I was doing some cleaning up on my uh, 
internet presence. And I went back and read my old blog that I had. And uh, I, I poured out every single detail of my practice. And I felt ashamed. I was just like, why did I feel the need to tell everyone about every nitty gritty detail of my practice? Like secrecy, there is potency in secrecy. There is potency in not sharing that spell. Um, you know, especially like if you take a photo of your spell in working and post it like at the same time on social media, to me, that's like a, a uh, an opening for it to backfire or for like mm. somebody to send a bad vibe. Yeah. Um, so I'm really, really careful with that. I don't usually post spell work. I'll show like a photo of my altar or mm. have it in the background, but I do not usually post spell work. No. For sure. What's another one here that we have? When you find yourself asking the internet to like decide your spiritual path for you. Ooh, this is a big one that I see a lot. Right. I see this one a lot. Right. And that's like one of the most common questions that I get in my DMs is like, what is my path? Or if I do like free, I do like free mini tarot readings in my, um, mm -hmm. in my stories, which is really fun. And I love doing it. But the most common question is like, what is my path? What is yeah. like, you're looking for some spiritual validation about where you're supposed to go. And that can be like leaving that up to the wolves of the internet. Right? No, don't do that. And these are just random strangers and there's no way of telling if they're qualified. Like I see this on TikTok the most where it's like, um, I get so many comments like, well, I'm I'm this percentage Latino or or I'm I'm this percentage of this or that. Am I allowed to practice this? Am I allowed to buy this book? Am I allowed to um research this topic? Mm -hmm. Why are you letting strangers decide that for you? Right. Like you don't know who any of these people are. And then I see the worst answers ever come to this. Like I've seen people being like well, I'm actually from Mexico and I was born and raised there um, and I live in Texas now, but I have light skin. Can I still, you know, do, you know, Mexican magic? And people will comment underneath it. No, because you have light skin. Uh, the spirits will mistake you for a colonizer and attack you. Oh, and I'm like, God. No, no, that is not how this works. We need to not leave these major decisions about our spiritual path in the hands of other people. Similarly, um, the most asked question is, where do I start? Where do I start? Well, mm -hmm. you start by not asking people that question. You start by starting. You decide. Yes. You know, this is in your hands. This is your path, mm -hmm. right? Called walking the path of the witch, not asking other witches to throw you down it, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just chucking you down the path. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. You know, there's a saying. So for those of you who may not know, I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail in 2017. I hiked from Mexico to Canada. And there's a saying in the long distance hiking community, hike your own hike. Don't hike somebody else's hike. Don't tell somebody else how they should do it. And there's a lot of like nitpicking in the long distance hiking community about continuous footsteps. Like, Oh, you, if you didn't keep a continuous footstep trail from Mexico to Canada, you're not really a, a long distance hiker. And it's like, no, this is my hike and I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. So like, don't allow other people's opinions about how you're supposed to do something 
weigh in too much. Like don't allow it to consume you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that perfectly branches us into kind of the next one, which is, you know, that you need to set a boundary between yourself and witchy social media. When you find yourself really worried about the opinions of those around you more than your own, Um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, like you're talking about this idea of, you know, people are interacting with the things that you make, even when you're not there. And when we spend so much time on social media, we begin to very much normalize this feeling of everything that we say or do is going to then be subject to the opinions of everybody around us who is seeing it. Mm -hmm. We also have to remember as well that (laughs) we don't, like if we don't post it, no one's going to see it. No one's going to know about it. No one's going to care. Like I have a friend who engages in like an Egyptian type of, uh, with an Egyptian pantheon. Mm-hmm. And she's not from the Middle East. She's not Egyptian, but she has a very deep reverence for it. And she gets really good, you know, materials about it or whatever. Um, but she simply doesn't post about it online. Because everyone's opinions, everyone's going to be like, crazy about it. Um, but the thing is, is that if you don't post it, nobody cares, really nobody cares. And so we can sometimes get very much wrapped up in this idea of other people's opinions really needing to be part of what we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know a lot of folks who are new to the path of witchcraft and, and folk magic, or, you know, if you're even diving into paganism and polytheism, uh, we're, we're often seeking validation for our experiences and looking for validation. Validation comes from walking your own path and like, you know, recording your practice in your, in your own private practice, like in a journal or something. That's the proof. Yeah. That, and that's really all you need. You don't need to have somebody else and it can be helpful. Like if you have, a really close dear friend who's also practicing like to have conversations with them, but it doesn't need to be blasted all over the internet for everyone to tear apart because they will tear it apart. Yeah, absolutely. And we can get so used to that tear apart effect that we can almost do it to ourselves mm-hmm. because we can like when the, all the internet voices kind of after a while get built into your own head. And so sometimes you'll be doing something and you'll like, hear Twitter be mad about it, even though you've like never been like never posted about it. Um, The last one I want to talk about real quick, just because this is something I think just needs to be pointed out is, you know, that you need to set a boundary between yourself and witchy social media. When all of your spells start to look like Instagram spells. Yes. Right. This, this idea that every spell is a candle that's dressed in oil and then rolled in herbs and then burned on a plate and every single spell looks like that or is in a jar, right? Mm-hmm. That's a very recent development. If you look at old, you know, magic, old folk magic, things like that, very rarely are the spells, get a candle, oil it, roll in the herbs. It's things like, take a piece of your couch and bring it out to the barn and nail it to the wall for six days. And then your lover will return. Like (laughs) (laughs) it's much weirder. Not every spell should look exactly the same. And we're seeing this kind of like homogenization of spell work through social media. Right. Yeah. The other one that I love is the ritual bath. Oh yeah. The, the, the classic, like I saw one this morning that was just, I mean, the bath had to cost like $200. 
There was like a full bouquet of flowers in the tub. There was the bath bomb. There were all of the crystals, the incense, the, um, the uh, what's the thing where you put the essential oils in it and it vaporizes into the air? Oh, the diffuser. The diffuser was running. You know, the the altar was set in the bathroom. I'm just like... There's well, a charcuterie board. Right. And there's a book and there's the, the, the white sage right. and all that. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, I only have a shower stall. Right. And a bucket. <laughs> and a bucket. <laughs> Old, like, school. Old school. Yeah. Like, that's, that's how I do it. You know what I mean? And so... Sometimes I see that stuff and I, I get a little of that FOMO, but I'm like, that's not my witchcraft. That's no. not what it looks like. No, none of that's real. That's for the gram. That's for the gram. Yeah. So, yeah, ask yourself, you know, if social media didn't exist, would I still practice in this manner? Oh, I that's such that's a good really question. That's a important question. Yes. All right, we need to wrap this one up, but I don't want to leave you guys without... Uh, kind of telling you how maybe give you some advice on how to set boundaries between yourself and social media. My number one piece of advice is is set timers for it. You know, Mm -hmm. get in, do the things you need to do, respond to your messages, make your post and then get out. There's no need to hang out there all day. Um, And for those of us who do this work, we might need to check in every so often. So what I'm starting to do is 15 minutes in the morning, I respond to my messages on Instagram. I, I do whatever I need to do. I do my post, do 15 minutes around the middle of the day and then 15 minutes at the end of the day. And then I call it good. There's yeah. no reason for me to spend five hours on social media. Right. Yep. Absolutely. And um, definitely put yourself in charge of your own spiritual path. Don't leave it in the hands of other people. Please. Yeah, definitely. Make your own decisions. Don't ask other people what books you should read. Or, I mean, you know, recommendations are great, but don't ask people if you're allowed to do things. Yes. Um, that's that's not how this should work. Yeah. Um, that should not be other people's decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one that I'm trying to kind of get into more is if there's something about my spiritual path that I want to like write down or like post on social media maybe just put it in a journal and you don't have to like journal for pages and pages about it, but maybe, Oh, this thing you've suddenly understood and had this big, you know, thing about that you want to kind of like share or communicate, put it down on a page and then walk away from it. That way it's yours. Not everyone else's, you know? Yes. Journals are so important to our practice. Y'all it's, it's where we keep our private thoughts and where we can Mm -hmm. keep our practice and review it for later for that validation that we're looking for. So just keep, keep that in mind y'all. Yeah. And on that note, after you're done taking a break from witchcraft, remember to also do witchcraft. Ah, have a good day. Support for this podcast comes from our listeners. If you would like to support Invoking Witchcraft with a one-time donation, please go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash donate. Or if you'd like to become a premium listener, join the coven at invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven. There you'll get access to our exclusive Facebook group for discussion and connection, as well as access to occasional workshops. We hope to see you there.